Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every Sunday is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that can lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. This morning, we'll chat with a former Jet, Thomas Jones, a running back who scored 14 touchdowns in 2009 when he and the Jets got to the AFC Championship game. He is no longer in the National Football League. He is a very accomplished actor, and we'll talk about his road from the NFL to acting. So please have a pencil, paper, and maybe a pen, and possibly that smartphone that you use, you know, to take down some notes. Maybe you have a person that aspires to be an actor. Well, you might have some tips of valuable information that you hear this morning. And as always, we thank you for making this a part of your day. We'll begin this edition of New York Sports and Beyond talking football and acting after this timeout. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Former NFL running back Thomas Jones was the seventh overall pick in 2000, who over a 12-year career played for teams including the Jets, Bears, Chiefs, and Cardinals. When he retired, he was among the top 25 leading rushers in NFL history, as well as a member of the 10,000-yard rushing club. After the NFL, he pivoted into acting and producing, where he's had a lot of success with roles in Luke Cage, P-Valley, and Being Mary Jane. However, while successful working in the industry, which has also made him very aware of the lack of representation on TV. So recently, he teamed with his friend and producing partner, DJ Loray, to be part of that change. The result is a new series called Johnson that has gained the backing of top names such as Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, and Eric C. Rohn, who are all taking part. It premiered on Bounced this week. Join me in welcoming Thomas Jones to New York Sports and Beyond. Thomas, welcome, my friend. Great to see you. Great to talk to you again. Uh, I got to start with this because you've done so much since you and I were, were doing pregame shows and talking on the sidelines with the Jets uh, earlier the, earlier in the 2000s. Uh, what was it that put the seed in your mind to prepare for life after football during football? I was always the type of person that was interested in things outside of football. Uh, you know, I, I, obviously football was my life. It was my job. But, um, you know, when I wasn't playing football, I had a music label. I was working with artists. I was producing music. Um, I was always into technology. Even in college, you know, I went to Virginia. I didn't go to a traditional football program, uh, although I had the opportunity to. I went to Virginia because standard and reputation. Um, and I realized if I didn't make it to the NFL, you know, a degree from a school like that, would be in a really good position. So um, football was always, you know, uh, important to me, but, you know, important as well. You know, it's funny when uh, you were playing one of the, aside from talking football, which can become boring. Uh, <laughs> the one interesting thing was, which always brought a smile to your face was when I would say to you, so Thomas, what's going on with the uh, R&B artist Miko and that new label of yours? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's that was where my my passion was outside of football. I love music. I've always uh, loved music, and and to be able to work with artists and create, make you know, and be in the studio and and you know take a and then write you know put lyrics to it and then see how it ends up, you know, at the end, the end result was always magical to me. Um, so you know, definitely, uh, you would always put a smile on my face when you would ask me about Miko and ask me about R&B and my labels. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that, Thomas, is I think, and it's become more with fantasy and gambling, how it's gone into professional sports, but especially football, is that I think fans sometimes lose sight of athletes as people 
as human beings that are more than just the sport they play, that they have other interests and other things that in your case, you played football, but you, but football wasn't you, just you. Right. Right. I I, I played football, but I I wasn't a football player, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But the NFL is so big and professional sports are so big that sometimes it's a lot of guys have a problem transitioning because they don't know how to separate themselves from being that athlete to being, you know, just an uh, everyday, you know, citizen again. You know, that's not known for being a professional football player or basketball player or baseball player or whatever it may be. Thomas, is it that a lot of former athletes miss the ovation, the crowd? I mean, I know you guys miss the camaraderie of, of your, your, your teammates. I mean, that's obvious. But do you do a lot of athletes athletes miss that 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 hitting the, in your case going through the tunnel and running out onto the field and 70,000 fans just yelling and screaming is that what a lot of guys miss oh yeah they, they definitely miss that it's a rush it's an adrenaline rush that is hard to explain uh, you come out of the tunnel and you go into an open stadium with 70,000 people who are there cheering for you uh, or cheering against you uh, the emotional psychological uh you know, connection that you have to that world is is, is unbelievable, and, and a lot of guys miss that when they when they're not playing anymore. Uh, and a lot of a lot of guys, you know, they need that for their identity. That's who they are. And uh, when you don't have that, you don't even feel like yourself because you don't really know who you are outside of that. So it's as, as much as it is an incredible experience, it's also a little bit of a dangerous experience as well psychologically because if you can't reinvent yourself when it's over, then you're kind of stuck in this. You know, no man's land. Of, you know, you can't have the sport back and the, and the experience back, but then you don't know how to move forward either. One last thing before we move off of football for now, and that is, Thomas, a lot of athletes are coming out talking about mental illness, some of the pressures of, of being an athlete, of performing. Uh, recently in the Olympics, Simone Biles uh, with challenges that forced her to to withdraw from several of you know the the different uh, performances, the different areas of gymnastics that she's been so great at to to leave from there. Can you sympathize with with athletes who have gone through that? Have you seen other athletes? You don't have to name them, of course, but have you seen other athletes go through that? Definitely, I definitely have seen other athletes go through that. It's uh, and I think all of us at some point based off of the success, um, how successful you are uh, makes it more extreme uh, because of the expectations. And I think because of the fame and, you know, the, the money that comes with, with being a professional athlete, um, sometimes they're, you know, they, they, they lose some of, they feel like they lose some of their humanity. Um, you know, it's almost as if the money erases their humanity. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of people don't really not, they don't really think about what it's like um, for an athlete on a day-to-day basis. The reality is, you know, you get paid the money you get paid for these jobs because everyone can't do it. Um, just like any other job, you know, I'm, I, would, I can't fly a plane, um, you know, but I'm in awe of pilots because I don't know how they do that. Um, and, but, you know, our industry just, you know, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, so our job you know, pays more. And, you know, a pilot may see me and say, how did you run that score touchdown? I can look and say, I don't know how you got us to space. It's the same level of respect, but the money is different. And I think when people see the money, 
then it makes them assume that everything else should be okay, and it's just that it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I've experienced it a lot where, you know, over my career and now transitioning after football, a lot of the people that I was friends with and family, um, I don't have the same relationship because it seemed like when I was playing, I was one person to them, and then once I retired, I became someone else that mm-hmm. wasn't interested. Um, and it has a psychological and emotional effect on, on you. You know, um, so I definitely sympathize with uh, with athletes who have those issues, and uh, you know, I would hope some of the fans may try to take a look at it from a different lens and try to you know kind of empathize and, and have some sympathy as well. That's the voice of former Bear Chief Cardinal and, of course, New York Jet Thomas Jones. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. When New York Sports and Beyond returns, how did Thomas Jones go from the NFL to acting? And, oh, by the way, a stop in producing music. That's next. We are 98.7 ESPN New York. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's continue my conversation with former NFL running back, producer, and actor Thomas Jones. All right, Thomas. From NFL to acting, help me out. How did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I retired in 2012. I was, uh, you know, was still uh, heavy into the music industry, my artists. But the, the thing about that is, is that I wasn't the artist. You know, I was managing artists, and I was helping produce music and things of that nature, but uh, I was used to being the talent. And when you're not the talent, it's a different experience. Um, I ended up working on a project in Miami, a very small project. I took a small role in it just because I honestly I was bored. Then um, I started producing it because I like to be behind the scenes. And Clifton Powell, who was one of the actors, a legendary actor, he played my uncle on this project, and he thought I had some natural ability, so he really encouraged me to take it seriously. And um, after a couple of times and calling me, did you get an active studio yet? Did you get an active, get an active studio yet? I finally took it seriously. I found an agent. And, uh, you know, from that point, I ended up going on some auditions, uh, getting booked for a couple of projects. And uh, I said, you know what? I think I might have a shot at this. And so I you know, got an apartment in Hollywood. And, you know, seven years later, here I am. Luke Cage, uh, P Valley, and of course, being Mary Jane, uh, among the ones you've had major roles in. Let's let's talk about each of them. Talk about your role in Luke Cage, which was, uh, you know, uh, an interesting uh, superhero in itself because it's one of the few African American superheroes. And and what I what, what is an adjustment for me, being of a certain era, is no cape, no mask, <laughs> TJ, nothing. <laughs> Luke Cage yeah. was who he was. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was, uh, he was uh, just, you know, I mean, who he was, of course, the personal. That was an incredible experience. I've always been uh, a Marvel fan growing up as a kid, and I never thought that I would be a part of uh, an actual Marvel TV show. I watched all those cartoons as kids on Saturday mornings, you know, me and my siblings. And so to be cast for that, uh, to play, you know, a, a role, I mean, that's, you know, that, that's honestly, like, when it's got you behind playing those characters, it lives on forever. With those comic books and those characters are Anson Stone. So, uh, that was an incredible experience to work with Theo Ross. He, he played Shane, I think, and he worked with Austin Weir. Um, he's a legendary actor that have been doing for a long, long time. Uh, it was an incredible experience. I learned a lot on the fly. Um, you know, I had a chance to be a part of uh, the Marvel Universe, which is global. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that's, that was, he was a huge part of how we transitioned And P Valley, a little different. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. It's a, P Valley is a very, very specific show. You know, it deals with a certain demographic, uh, you know, of the country, you know, in certain part of the country, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's very, very uh, fresh. It's a fresh show. And I think mm-hmm. that's why it was so successful. Uh, people had never seen anything like this show before. And uh, the cool thing about my character is that I was able to really able to show my range as an, as an actor. My character, Maine, he um, you know, has a very, very big Southern accent. Uh, he has gold teeth. He has a very specific type of energy. And, um, and it really helped me show my range as an actor. Because I'm a real actor. I, you know, I studied in two different actor studios for four years, six hours a week. Um, mm. With some incredible actors, incredible acting coaches. I take this very, very seriously. Um, you know, I, I, and this is my life now. I'm a producer. I'm an actor. So to be able to play roles where you can actually study the character, do research on access, practice these accents. I mean, I had this accent on the show. Nobody, they didn't even realize it was me, to be honest. If you just heard my voice, you wouldn't think it was me. Which is a beautiful thing. I'm able to really, you know, challenge myself and push myself as an actor. So I love that role uh, on Pete Valley as me. And then, of course, there was Being Mary Jane. Yeah, Being Mary Jane. That was uh, actually the first major project that I was able to work on in 2015. And, uh, I had a chance to work with Gabrielle Union, who's an incredible actress. Um, Gina King is a director. I mean, it was, it was just a really, really good experience, especially um, to start my career off. You know, a lot of times you don't really get that type of opportunity that early in your career. So <clears throat> gave me a lot of confidence moving forward. You know, uh, just the experience being on set, working with Gabrielle, working with Rob Hardy, another director, um, working with Nino Barnett, another director. These are incredible directors that have worked on some huge projects. Um, you know, I had to catch up on the fly. And that's really, but that's really what football is as well. You know, mm. you change the game plan in the middle of the game and you have to pick up, uh, you know, uh, either the linebacker now or you have to shift over and now you have to pick up the defensive tackle and you have to pick these things up on the fly. So the pressure for me was what I was used to. So definitely football, uh, the energy for football and everything that I had to do as a football player translated as, as an actor as well. You know, it's, it's funny because I was thinking that with the amount of reps that you have, all right, on the football field, how are how important are reps as an actor in various roles? So that I, I hear you talk about in P Valley, you're able to expand yourself, right? They expand what 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 you bring to your character. How important are reps in making you comfortable that you can expand and stretch yourself? Well, I mean, my reps know the work that I put in, um, you know, especially once I started creating my own content. Because once you create your own content and you understand the backstory of these characters, the motivation for these characters, um, you understand um, the story arcs, storylines, um, and, and then you know how to flush out the characters and develop them. And then as an actor, taking all that information as from, from being a creator, it just makes you that much more efficient as an actor. And so my reps, um, you know, they, they believe in me. They believe in me from day one. They know my dedication and my work ethic. And I'm also the type of person, like, you know, uh, if I have a mindset on something, I'm just going to keep chasing it until it happens. And and so if you can't, if you don't have the same energy, then more than likely we're not going to be able to, to work together. So uh, my manager, Marcus Sanchez, he's an incredible, incredible uh, manager. I've been with her for the last five years. Um, she also was with a major company in, in LA, in Hollywood, and she met the center of home management. 
Jordan has always been pretty cool for me. You know, and then coming from the NFL, having huge agents like you know, Tom Condon and then, you know, you know, working through my house for the last seven years of my career. I've always worked with, you know, top nine representation. And I always understood they can only represent me based off of what I'm putting on the field. And it's the same thing with my manager. She can only rent me with as much content as I'm putting out or how well I form. Thomas, considering how many playbooks you had to memorize in the National Football League, I would think memorizing scripts <laughs> would be a breeze. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's a different process, um, you know, because when you, when you memorize, it's a similar process in regards to the preparation. The more you know your playbook, the more you want to be able to imagine just react and not think. You change it on the script, and when you know your lines, and you work on the backstory, and the character, and the personal. Uh, when they take action, you're just able to live it and experience it. Um, but, you know, memorizing plays, you know, uh, is, is a little bit different because people may start off in one position and then you know they're somewhere else, so you have to adjust. Where as an actor, um, if you start from this point and I'm standing on this mark and you're standing on that mark, it's going to be like that every time. So it's definitely a little bit easier as an actor, I would say. Yeah, I would say just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't have to worry about I don't worry, I have to worry about safety blitz and uh, corner cats and uh, as an actor. No, but I'm sure you've had some instances where some audibles have been called where you had to maybe just change or you feel something, right, with your with, with your with your character or with the person that you're acting with. And you may have to change a little bit, and that allows you some freelance and some 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 realness, quote unquote, to put into whatever the the role is at that time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Depending on the chemistry with the actor and also the director, you know, sometimes you know directors and writers are very specific about the writing. They want you to say everything that they wrote because that's how they saw it. But then sometimes some directors will just let you freestyle and go and and, and live in it because those are when the best experiences happen. Um, so you're right. Sometimes it is an adjustment. Definitely is an adjustment. So football and acting are very similar. I think that's the reason why I was attracted to it once I first started, and then once I saw all the work that went into it, it just it filled a void for me. Because as a football player, I was always in the weight room. I was always watching film. Um, I just worked constantly, constantly. That's where I knew. Because when Sunday came, I knew I worked hard during the week, and I knew almost every single thing the defense was going to do. If I knew Ray Lewis was going to. You know, blitz when his left foot is up and he's going to drop back on his you know, right foot is his back. And I know it gives me a chance to be him. And it's the same thing in acting. The more I know my lines, the more I'm connected to this character, the more I use an emotional experience in my life as a, as a, as a connection to this character. When they say action, I'm, I'm ready to game time. I'm ready to get into this character. I'm ready to get into this scene. And I'm ready to experience this character. And the passion that I have for football is now the passion I bring to, to Hollywood as an acting producer. So talk to me about your latest project now that's on a bounce. It's called Johnson. And it is a, I saw the trailer. It is a fascinating, fascinating ensemble show. Let's talk a little bit about it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so Johnson is a show about four, um, four black men in Atlanta, um, and just their brotherhood and just their, their journey through life. They've been best friends since they were kids, so they just don't have that same last name as Johnson. Um, and Johnson is symbolic, the name, um, because it's, you know, they're four different men. Uh, sometimes as black men, you do have a similar experience. 
based on the situations that we that we're in. And um they're connected. And so they all have four different uh conflicts in their life. My character Omar Johnson is having mar- marital issues and uh he's going through a custody situation with his with his uh, strange wife. Uh Red Johnson, he's played by Daisy Murray, who's actually the creator of the show, my producing partner. Uh he's in a relationship, his girlfriend really wants to move forward. Um in the relationship that he's not ready. Um, and there's another guy, Keith Johnson, who's played by Phillips in the who, uh, you know, he's a photographer, he's a creative, he, you know, he's spirited, he's in love with this um, model, but she doesn't really feel the same way about him, and he doesn't get it. Um, and the uh, fourth Johnson is Jarvis Johnson, who uh, owns his own brokerage, very successful, went to Yale, and he's in an interracial relationship. And so, you know, we touch on some of the issues that come with that situation as well. So it's a very complex show. It shows black men in a way I don't think we're really shown that much on TV in regards to just, you know, being vulnerable and, and, and you know, open and, and communicating with each other. And, and that's how we are in real life, but it's not really portrayed that, that much in the media, and it should be. So this is kind of Daisy and I, my producer partner, Timothy and Taylor, and his team trying to, you know, take a step in that direction. Your character is fascinating to me um, in the sense of you, <laughs> it's it's a lot of us who have estranged from from our from our wives uh, have a kid trying to find the best time to see that child to support that child let that child know that we want to be a part of their life in their life and there's always something. Right, Thomas. There's always right. something. Right. There's there's always, lack of communication. Something. Where it, it, right. and you know in in the um, episode you had where there's a lack of communication where you get there late because you weren't given the stop time, the start time of it. There's always some game. Right. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying, Thomas? Right. There's always something <laughs> that keeps things from going smoothly. Right, right. There is. It seems that way. Uh, and it seems that way for a lot of men. You know, um, in these situations, and uh, clearly, you know, you have men and women who are good men and women who have, you know, certain men and women who, who have certain agendas uh, that aren't so good. And I do think that my character um, portrays um, the men that are trying to figure out how to make it work, trying to figure out how to keep their marriage together, trying to figure out how to keep their family together. Um, but, you know, they're, they have to overcome certain obstacles because of, you know, certain issues, you know, emotions, um, certain situations that you, that you have that you might not be able to overcome. Uh, there's just a lot there. Like you said, there's always something. So I think my character, I took a lot of pride in this one because I know a lot of men that are going through these types of situations and I want to be able to represent them from an honest perspective. And the show is very unbiased. The men and women on the show have very honest perspectives and very honest motivations for everything they do and say. Um, but you know, once you get through the 10 episodes, hopefully, it will have created this whole, you know, uh, wide range of situations um, that you can actually dive into and, and uh, that you can digest. And you don't automatically just look at a man and say it's his fault because it feels like sometimes that's that's what happens. It is. And, and once again, my guest is Thomas Jones. We're talking about the new project that he's involved with called Johnson. Uh, it's on Bounce Network. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. It is so interesting because, and I'm not going to give it away because I want people to watch, but I'll just say the expression 
on Jarvis Johnson's face when the folks bring potato salad with raisins in it is priceless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's, I mean, certain people, uh, you know, make their food different. You know, everybody, uh, you know, makes their food based off of either what they were taught or what tastes good to them, you know. And so, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of, uh, uh, you know, cultural differences that we explore on this show, which is great. You know, we open a lot of communication. Um, you know, it's a real, real show where we talk about real things. Um, and I think a lot of people shy away from this type of stuff because, you know, they don't want to uh, necessarily offend anyone. But, you know, the content is already there. The conversations are already being had. We're just bringing some of that to the screen so you can actually see it um, and, I, and and actually bring it to you in a humorous way so you can actually laugh at some of these situations because the, the world is so serious and everything is taken so serious. Sometimes it's good to just sit back and, um, and, and laugh at some of these serious, in quotation marks, situations. And one of your crew is very, I was very impressed. One of your crew rolls with a breathalyzer. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, yeah, Just he's not taking any chances. Yeah, he's not taking any chances. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, that's, that, you know, and that, that's, it's great because it shows, you know, that all four guys, we all have different personalities, um, different energies. Um, you know, my character is a little more on the edge uh, in regards to just kind of, you know, rough around the edge of how he moves, but he's super smart. Um, you know, he's, he's super, um, uh, you know, uh, intellectual. He's, you know, he's not the, the, the typical person that you would think when you see him. Uh, Greg's character, you know, he's just a very honest person, really honest about to tell you the truth whether it's going to hurt your feelings or not. Um, Jarvis's character, you know, he's a more polished, successful, um, you know, with the Yale, but, you know, he realizes where he's from. And then, you know, Keith, who's the character with the breathalyzer, I mean, he's just a free-spirited, free quirky guy. But all four of us are very different, but we all have uh, something about us that draws us to each other, and, and, you know, we see the love and the brotherhood there. And I think that's what we need to see more of in regards to black men in the media, is that we're all not, we're not a monolith, we're not one-dimensional. We're very complex, we're all different, but at the same time, we can all coexist in the same place. Thomas, what's the challenge? in actors and producers and scriptwriters and putting together something that shows the versatility of a race um, and but to make it marketable for more than just that race to to uh, you know appreciate it right because it's about as many eyes on whatever you stream to see that that makes it that gives people the confidence shall we say to say you know what we need more of these type of programs because ultimately when you break it down, it is about the conversation that you have with each other and you realize that, yeah, there's differences, but they are less than what you might think. Right. No, you're right. We're all alike in a lot of ways. Um, and ignorance, unfortunately, has blinded people to even give other people a chance or even or give other conversation a chance. You know, um, and I think with Johnson, what we did was wanted to make it about this cast, first of all. Um, we wanted to make it, um, you know, you know, we wanted to provide an opportunity for anyone watching this to feel like they could connect to the characters in general. Um, and then we dive into some specific conversation that's, that, that's cultural. But if you watch the show, it's not a black show. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just four black leads. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a black man, but if I, I can watch Braveheart and I can connect to it, you know, there's 
not a black person in the movie. Um, and I think sometimes when you have black projects, um, they're marketed as urban or marketed as black. And it's like, no, it's not urban. It's just black characters. And they're just stories that are from what might be black culture. But that's the beautiful thing about it. If you actually take the time to watch it and not, not be biased because it's not from your culture, then you can actually learn something about the culture. And, when you, and then that'll translate in real life. And I think that's the problem, you know, um, you know, when it comes, especially when it comes to black men and our content, you know, usually we're seen uh, in a very, very stereotypical way across the board. And there's just no balance. And Nadine you know, and I honestly just got tired of it. You know, this weird show, it speaks to our experience and the majority of black men that we know, the everyday honest black men that's just trying to, you know, take care of his family, uh, chase his dreams, uh, and be happy. So, so I definitely agree. With, with you in regards to just the, the, the diversity aspect, and Johnson is very diverse. And how frustrated is it when you, as actors, get together and just talk about, man, if if people would broaden their horizons more, it would give us more work and give a, a you know an insight into, you know, what's missing and and what could change and what could possibly be. It's frustrating just because a lot of times, you know, some of the the gatekeepers and the powers that be are very uh, uh, narrow-minded, and they can't get outside of their own world that they live in to cast people that don't fit in their world, which is why I encourage any and everyone, regardless of whatever race, black, white, it doesn't matter, uh, create your own content like Deji and I do. We, 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 we created an idea 20, in 2014. We met in 2017. We clicked into the idea. We shot a pilot episode so we could shop around Hollywood and for four years we moved around in Hollywood until we finally got into the entertainment office. We loved it, loved us, saw our passion, joined our, uh, the fight in regards to just getting this, this show sold. His production company, Midnight, uh, Burn the Bear Entertainment, and our production company, Midnight Train, teamed up and uh, met with David Hudson at Bounce TV, loved the idea. Um, and now it's, it's on the air. Mm. Now, it took a little bit of time, but we believed in our narrative. I say create the content you want to see. Um, because there's, it, it, it's, it's 2021. There's so many platforms that need content. Yeah. And if the content is good, regardless of whatever story it is, if it's, if it's, if it's passionate to you more than likely, it's passionate, it's passionate to somebody else as well. So create your own content. So I'm not frustrated as much anymore because, you know, the plan that we had came to life. Creating our own content and getting on the air. You know, you make a great point because I was frustrated because I wanted to watch uh, Thomas, the USA uh, men's basketball team, and it was on Peacock, a streaming service. And I'm like, "What you? It's not on. It's not on Channel Four. <laughs> so the ability now with all these various streaming services that are dying for content, this is as this is probably the best opportunity. Independent folks who have great ideas and and different thoughts of type different types of programming can have. This is a great outlet right now. It's it's the perfect time. It's perfect. It's, it's the perfect time because at the end of the day, you know we're able to create content and know that you have a home somewhere for it. Now, if you don't create your own content, um, you really can't complain because there's too many platforms that need it desperately. So, yeah, go out there and create the content you want to see and push it. And uh, eventually someone will see your vision and then we'll pick it up. Coming up 
Can't speak with Thomas Jones and not sneak in the little football, right? We'll do that next. This is New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's conclude my discussion with NFL running back, actor, producer, Thomas Jones. Thomas, I was looking at uh, Oprah's network uh, a couple of years ago, and I saw your teammate, Kerry Rhodes, performing as an actor. Have you and him had a chance to catch up? No, no, we haven't. Um, I, I, I know for the most part, um, honestly, I haven't bumped into any football players in Hollywood. I know there's a lot of football players that are that are uh, former players that are acting or you know trying to get into business, but um, in LA, honestly, I, honestly, I haven't really bumped into any football players. Period. Since I retired, uh, I'm super low key. Um, you know, I'm living in the heart of Hollywood, but usually I'm either working with my producing partner or I'm auditioning. Um, and so I don't really have much time for to really kind of link up with people. Um, you know, just really focused. But you know, I definitely think there's some football players that are out there that are trying to get into the business, and you know, I applaud them. It's a great business to get into um, if you really want to transition and get out of football because. Not only was acting a great opportunity for me to, you know, keep myself busy, but it was therapeutic for me because I was able to really deal with some issues and things that I hadn't dealt with before in my life and use all of that trauma and use all those situations to put them into my characters to make my performances better. And so that in turn became therapy because I had to talk these things out with my acting coach and I had to be openly honest about these things. And it freed me up to be vulnerable as an actor, which translates on strength. It does, and you do a great job with it. Now, listen, we've got a couple of minutes left. I can't let you go without talking some football. Can't do it. Folks will beat me up. So i gotta ask, I got to ask you this, Thomas. Your former team, Jets, have a rookie quarterback this year in, in Zach Wilson, rookie head coach in Robert Sala. Something you kind of know about, right? When you were playing, you had a rookie head, rookie quarterback in Mark Sanchez, rookie head coach in, in Rex Ryan. What do you remember about that team in 09? I mean, that was one of the best teams I've ever been on. I mean, I love my teammates. I love Rex. Uh, I love Mark, too. You know, Mark was young. He's a rookie. Um, and, you know, he's playing in one of the toughest markets in the country. You know, he's playing in New York City. Um, but, you know, he, he, he you know, learned on the fly. You know, we um, had some bumps and bruises, but we worked with him. Um, and we made it all the way to the AFC Championship game. So um, I think it's about the chemistry. You know, the, the saw the, uh, the young kid, you know, doing his warm-up, uh, during his, uh, um, what is a scout? It's pro day. Yeah, it's pro day. I was just not too much of him doing seasons. I don't really watch football as much. But I saw him. He's got a nice arm. Seemed like he's got good at some good athleticism. Um, obviously, the NFL is a different level, different beats. It's not college. It's not um, uh, a game anymore. It's a job. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I think... From the looks of it, physically, he has the skill set. It's just going to be how he can catch up mentally, psychologically, and, um, and how his teammates can rally around him. What are your thoughts on how running backs are being perceived now in, in today's game, salary-wise, Thomas? <laughs> I think there's a misconception that running backs are as valuable as they used to be, and they are. The majority of teams that win um, have a great running game. And they usually have a feature back. Um, but I think, you know, you have, uh, you know, football is, 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 is the same game. It's just the, the aesthetics around it are different. You know, you have all these that platforms now, the outlets and all these voices and fantasy football, all this stuff. 
Uh, but when you actually get down to real football, man, it's just it's blocking and tackling. Mm. Um, you know, you're running the ball, you know, you controlling the line of scrimmage. And those are the teams that win. And uh, usually those teams are the teams that have, you know, a, a, a really, really solid running game, um, consistent running game as well. Um, you know, I know back in my days, I mean, every team had a feature back. You get a good contract. Um, and a lot of guys were, I think, durable, more, a little more durable then. I think now because they cut back on some practices and training camp and things of that nature, I don't think guys are as uh, in shape for a 16-game season as we were. Um, I think that made a difference in our 17 games now, obviously, one extra game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everything is, a, is an evolution process, you know, and everything's never stayed the same. I remember Jimmy Ray, my legend, legendary running backs coach mm-hmm. in, uh, in the NFL, was my coach in New York. Loved Jimmy Ray. The only thing constant about the NFL is change. Yeah. And, that's across, and that's across the board, so I guess he's uh, no doubt about that. Um, when, when you're not memorizing scripts, what running backs do you like to watch when you're watching the NFL? Uh, you know what? I really don't even watch all the sports. But if I do, I definitely am a big fan of, of the Ezekiel Elliott. I love his style. I love uh, the, the kid from Minnesota, Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Um, Derrick Henry, obviously, great. Um, really, really good back. Um um, there's another kid. Uh, I know Christian McCaffrey. You know, kid, I know he's been mm-hmm. injured in the last couple of seasons. Um, the NFL is tough, man. You know, uh, to be consistent, um, it's hard year in and year out. It's hard. It's, it's very, very hard on you physically. It's very hard on you mentally because you have to continue to keep coming back. Whether you had 40 yards or whether you had 140 yards, you have to have the mental. Um, you know, to continue to come back every week and still you're going to get 200 yards every week. It's tough. It's tough. So that's why you only see a specific number of backs that are able to continue to produce at a high level for that consistent at the time. Um, but, yeah, there's some really, really good backs in the league. You know, those are the ones that come to mind when I first did. Saquon Barkley, I love watching that kid play. Yeah. Um, you know, we had an ACL last year. Hopefully he bounces back from that. He's a super talented guy. I uh, love watching him play. Yeah, there's some, there's some really good back in the NFL, man. So when I do get a chance to watch, those are some of the guys that I like to watch. That's the voice of Thomas Jones. You can watch him and his other uh, cohorts in the series called Johnson. It's on Bounce. Check your local listings into what what cable situation, streaming, what outlets have it. It's a fabulous show. And um, it started a couple of days ago, so you still got time. And And listen, once you watch it, Tell other people to watch it because it's about eyes on the project. Right, Thomas? Eyes on the project. Eyes on the project. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Johnson, Sunday nights on Bounce TV, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central Time, every Sunday. This Sunday will be uh, episode three. And if you don't have Bounce, you can download this app, uh, Brown Sugar, and you can see the episode one there as well. Uh, incredible show, man. Incredible show. Check it out. It definitely is. It definitely is. Continued success, my friend. We will talk soon. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for having me on. Good talking to you. That wraps up this edition of New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. We thank you for listening. We'll join you this evening during the week on ESPN New York tonight with Gordon Damer and right back here next Sunday morning on New York Sports and Beyond. For my all-world primetime legendary producer, Ray Santiago, and the coach, Anthony Pusick, I'm Larry Hardesty. 
Conversation continues right here on 98.7 ESPN, New York.